everyone, what's up, Familia? Dayspring here with an episode of Power of X-Men with a delayed reaction to the X-Men Forever news. I know this came out a few days ago. I was on my way to a gig on Long Island when the news broke. Obviously, I saw the image and I immediately posted it on Instagram, but I avoided reading the article because I wanted to read it live together as a familia because I just love having these kinds of discussions as a as a community. So it's taken everything in my power not to read this article. But I saw the image. I was on my way to a gig on Long Island. I was driving back. And then, of course, Lalandra was revealed. The Echo trailer dropped. We got so much news on Friday that I was like, oh, gosh, I have to react to this stuff, too. That's why we have to react to things as they happen. And if we miss that window, we fall behind. But I saw a couple of comments on the YouTube page of people asking me if I was going to be reacting to the X-Men Forever news. And actually on Instagram, I got a few notes being like, hey, did you post a reaction to X-Men Forever? Did you see it with Gene here? I was like, did I see it? I posted it the second it came out. It went insane. You know, I saw another comment the other day that said, I don't necessarily always agree with you, but I respect your opinion. I respect that you are being objective. I respect that you are telling you telling the truth and not trying to gain browning points from Marvel. And I really appreciate that because, you know, there was another comment that said that I was being a bit negative these days. And it's like, I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to be objective when I'm looking at things. That's that's a key here with the X-Men, objectivity. And I also want to make sure that we preserve X-Men history, how it unfolds, right? Because, you know, decades from now, we'll look back on a certain story and completely forget things and the context in which it happened. And one of those for me is House of M. House of M was not a very good story, Familia, when it was being published that summer in 2005. And now everyone's so excited for House of M. Those House of M trade paperbacks sell for a pretty penny. And that's fine because House of M has aged nicely within the Marvel canon. And obviously we would love to see Elizabeth Olsen star in a House of M style event in the MCU. But the actual story as it was publishing was sort of a dud. And it just has happened with the gift of time it has happened to age nicely so that's kind of like our goal here with power of x-men is to really capture how people feel about what's happening in the marvel universe as it happens so 30 years from now if youtube is still around we can all look back on these videos and be like oh look at dayspring <laughs> when he was young well youngish <laughs> a middle age now but anyways let's break down this article let's break down this image my first impressions of this Mark Brooks image of our God Queen bleeding out a Phoenix style effect in the middle of winter is this should have been the cover to Jean Grey issue one. No shade on Bernard Chang. I like Bernard Chang's art so much. In fact, if you've been following along on my feels of that series, the one redeeming quality, I think it's Bernard Chang art. I think it's beautiful. That shot of Manhattan engulfed by the Inferno in issue three, chef's kiss. But I didn't feel that first cover was particularly strong. I think this is strong and it gets the message across very well. Now I've seen some cross comments on, on Instagram and on the Marvel Instagram saying, oh, it looks like Jean is menstruating. I think that's a little crass, but 
That's what a lot of people have been saying. And again, just preserving what people are saying out there. I didn't see it. That's not where my mind went when I saw this. Where my mind went is that, oh man, two things. One, oh man, Jean Grey is dead again. Like, we have a four-issue miniseries that's presumably, and the final issue hasn't come out yet, but presumably leading to her resurrection. And now for X-Men Forever, she's being teased or, or hinted at or alluded to that she could be dying again again like my goodness we just need to like stop killing Jean Grey that's like already two times within a year that Jean Grey is dying and on top of that in House of X she has died and she has died other times throughout the Krakoan era I just can we just stop with teasing Jean Grey dying she was dead for 13 years and we finally have her back stop killing her please so that was the first reaction I had. And the second reaction was, oh, she's probably just fainted on the ground. I'm like, I, you know, it, it just could be the memes online. And, and listen, I can take a joke with our God Queen, but I really do think her fainting in the anime series, it's just not, it hasn't aged well for me. I don't like seeing her faint like that. I know Jean as compared to Storm and Rogue was supposed, was supposed to be more the girl next door. We've talked to Larry Houston and Eric Leewald and Julia Leewald about Jean Grey in the series multiple times. And the idea for Jean and the reason why she has her ponytail, not her hair out, the reason why she has her ponytail is that she is supposed to be the girl next door. And, and, you know, where Storm is a goddess, where Rogue is a Southern powerhouse, you know, Southern Belle powerhouse. Jean was supposed to be a little bit more the girl next door that everyone can talk to and, and the boys are fighting over. I just don't like that she faints. I think it's just antiquated. The girl next door kicks ass just as hard as everyone else. And and what's more is that Jean is an Omega-level mutant. So there's a lot of people out there who do not like Jean and use her fainting as sort of an ongoing gag of why the character quote-unquote sucks. It just, it irks me to see her fainting, you know, on an image and dying so much. It, it's just that Jean is supposed to be a powerhouse, and she's not only a powerhouse, she's very smart. Louise Simonson said this. One of the dichotomies of Jean is that she's very smart, and she also is very in tune with her emotions. I love that dichotomy with her. Jean is very smart. She's a good strategist. Anyways, so that th those were my initial thoughts when I saw this image. It's a very beautiful image. It, it has piqued my curiosity, and I like it very much. So let's dive into the article. I'm so excited to read this. I'm trying to do something new here with the OBS system, so apologies if it's not working. I'm just going to have double screens here to make sure I'm, I'm doing it correctly. Oh, look at this. Oh, I didn't know I could do stuff like that. I'm really excited by this. Ooh, okay. Let me just, let's make sure this is fine. Boom, I want us all to read this as a community. Oh, wow. I'm discovering OBS as it happens. You like this border that I found online? I typed in free streaming borders PNG. That's basically what I did. Oh, this is so cool. We do have my brother-in-law, Alan, who's going to be working on some graphics for us. He's a very talented talented animator, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to conjure up. I've given him a little bit of direction, and mm, I'm excited. It's going, to be, it's going to be a little bit for it because, obviously, animation and all that stuff isn't really easy. But anyways, so here is the article. It was published on November 2nd, 2023. Oh, it's November 4th. I don't know why I thought this was like Halloween when this came out in my memory. I... I travel so much, so 
you know, all my days are all jumbled. So I, I'm reacting to this on the evening of the 4th. It's not, that's not too bad. 48 hours. It's fine. Okay. Kirin Gillen and Luca Marescas X-Men Forever unravels the final mysteries of the Krakoa era. Ah! Is it the final mysteries of the Krakoa era? Again, I... <laughs> I guess Krakoa is really ending. I hate to call it like that. I really do not want to call that because I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's probably misleading marketing copy, but everything we have read officially from Marvel has said that the Krakoan era is coming to an end. And, you know, the final mysteries, I just, I've said this before, Familia, I think editorial probably gets it that readers have responded well to the Krakoan age. They, I, I just think editorial has missed a point that they don't know how to tell stories that are compelling for the Krakoan age or how to properly flesh out Krakoa. The publishing executives are seeing that there was so much hype for Jonathan Hickman's Krakoan era and now all of a sudden it's floundered and we need to get the X-Men back to basics. And I'm like, no, Krakoa, if you have your ear to the ground, Krakoa has done well with fans. We just need to have this fleshed out a little bit more. We just need better stories. That's the only thing I can tell you. The Krakoan era needs to have better stories. So I'm really sad that Krakoa is going to come to an end. We've speculated, hopefully, it will be a hybrid of the mansion and Krakoa. So you have the mansion with Krakoan technologies and maybe the island still exists. Who knows? I just, I want to be on record here. Even though I'm a fan of having the X-Men back in the mansions, in the mansion, because I really love that school feel of the X-Men. I think it's a big mistake. I think Prokoa has revitalized the IP. Even I, who am a fan of the mansion, cannot disagree that Krakoa has done really well for the X-Men. That's it! That's it! I've said it. I've made my peace officially with the internet. Okay. Tied to the fall of the House of X and rise of the Powers of Ten. I'm going to say Powers of Ten because it's supposed to take place ten years in the future. And Powers of Ten in the original Krakoan launch with Hickman. So I think it's supposed to be officially Rise of the Powers of X. I'm saying Rise of the Powers of Ten. Sorry, saying it. I, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to go against it. Okay. Tied to the fall. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Tied to the fall of the House of X and rise of the Powers of Ten. Behold, a story of mutant revelation in X-Men Forever, launching in March. Behold, a story of mutant revelation. Can I tell you guys something really interesting? And I can't believe I haven't mentioned this before. I worked at Marvel in the fall of 2006, and one of my jobs was to write the newsletter that went out on the, on the distro. And I had to write it for Civil War. I think there was a trailer for Civil War or something. I'm forgetting. But it was Civil War related and I had to write it. And, you know, you don't get a byline for it. It's just like an intern who writes it. Or it's just like a copy editor who, you know, is in between work. It's something that everyone pitches in to do. And I was in the custom publishing department. So me writing the newsletter. You know, total department that does not deal with engagement or social media. Anyways, um, I've... I feel that whoever's writing this is probably an intern or just like a temp or something like that who probably has never really read any of the X-Men stories. Behold, a story of mutant revelation. This is someone who just hasn't read comic books. I'm sorry. Again, Familia, I have an MFA. You know I harp on little things. I think writing 
is like your fingerprints. It's like a DNA. It's a sample of what you really think, even if you're trying to be objective, even if you're trying to be creative, whatever your goal is, your writing is always going to show you how you take the subject matter. And whoever's writing this, just based on the subtitle right here, Behold a Story of Mutant Revelation, that's all you need to know. They're patronizing the reader. That's all you need to know of how they, how this writer feels about the audience reading it. Because I'm telling you, as a die-hard X-Men fan, I would never tell a group of people, Behold, a story of mutant revelation in X-Men Forever launching in March. I would just say, tied to the events of Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten, a story of mutant revelation in X-Men Forever launching in March. That is your subtitle. I know, I'm a harpy. I'm, I, okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm all caffeinated tonight because I had pizza and cherry soda, and I was watching that South Park episode with Kathleen Kennedy, which was bad. They they laid into Disney in that episode, and and then we started watching Invincible, which we we love Invincible very much. Anyways, okay, let's dive into this article. Since it began in 2019, the Krakoa era has been full of hope, transformation, and mystery. Yeah. I agree on that. I don't know how I feel about mystery. I guess Moira would be one of the lead mysteries for the characters, but I, I definitely agree the Krakoan era has been full of hope and transformation. Agreed 100% on that. As the final stories of this bold age arrive and fall of the House of X and rise of the powers of 10, one of Krakow's chief storytellers, Kyrian Gillen, with superstar artist Luca Maresca. I'm sorry if I'm overpronouncing the names. I've just, the Miami in me comes out. To deliver long-awaited answers behind Krakoa's darkest truths and set the stage for Mutant Kite's spectacular rebirth in X-Men Forever. So, <laughs> okay. So, Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten is supposed to be the swan song to the Krakoan age, but it looks like now we're going to get another story Kind of like a like a after credits story in X Men Forever to deliver long awaited answers behind Krakoa's darkest truths and set the stage for mutant kind spectacular rebirth in X Men Forever. Listen, we knew the mutants were going to come back, but you just spoiled the story for us. You just said their spectacular rebirth in X Men Forever. So whatever, I listen. Not stupid. Obviously, I knew Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten was going to lead with some kind of rebirth for the mutants and everyone living alive happily, you know, for the for the for the ending of the story purpose. But you just spoiled it here. So presumably now I don't have to read Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten because everything's going to be okay at the end, <laughs> and it's going to lead into X Men Forever. Okay. Announced earlier today by Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sabalski at the Luca Comics and Games Festival in Italy. A lot is happening in this Italian festival. We just talked about Luca in our Lalandra, Marvel Legends Lalandra episode, where they revealed Lalandra there. This Luca Comics and Games Festival in Italy. Familia, I think we have to go there next year. I mean, we're getting series announcements and Marvel Legends panels and reveals. We are going there. X-Men Forever will be a four-issue limited series launching in March where Gillen will build upon the dramatic developments currently unfolding in the pages of Immortal X-Men, including the quest for Dominion, the interpersonal conflicts of the Quiet Council, the escape from the White Hot Room, and of course, the divine intervention of the Phoenix. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, 
So uh, the Phoenix Intervention and the White Hot Room, you know, I've said this before, Familia, I used to say this during Second Coming back on the CBR message boards, that the mutants would worship the Phoenix as a deity. And people called me crazy. They said, oh, Nate underscore Dayspring, you are just such a crazy Jean Grey stand. I was like, no, in the context of the story, the Phoenix brings rebirth. The mutants are betting that the Phoenix is going to revitalize the mutant race. They would look at this deity as a god for mutant kind. That, so I'm glad that finally, like 10, 15 years later, I am justified on that. The series will provide pivotal insight into the shocking events of the fall of the House of X and rise of the powers of 10. Like, shocking, what's so shocking about it? The mutants are going to come back. Oh, as a new omnipotent threat to mutant kind is introduced and the final secrets of Krakoa burn to ashes. As a new omnipotent threat to mutant kind is introduced. So we know that Nimrod and Orcus and Moira and Omega Sentinel are summoning a god, one of the celestials, in, in the trailer for House of the Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten. So I guess that's gonna be a gateway to something new. But like, are you kidding me? We're not even done with the Nimrod story, and you're already introducing the final secrets of the Krakoan Age are about to burn to ashes as a new threat comes. So we're not even done with Nimrod. That's it. Who cares about Nimrod anymore? We have a new threat coming on the horizon. I don't know. I don't like that at all. I really don't. One of the things I loved about Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of Ten was this line that Xavier is talking to Cyclops about how they have to go to Orcus. And Xavier just looks at Cyclops and says, we think this is where Nimrod comes online. And you as a reader are like, holy shit. Nimrod is responsible for one of the X-Men's greatest failures. The whole days of future past dystopian timeline. And you're going to tell me he's coming online right now in the present. And this could lead into that catastrophe Holy frack, all hands on deck, Nimrod's coming online. That gives me goosebumps, Familia, just talking about it. I, I really, Nimrod is a powerful threat. And now, who cares? It's going to be resolved one way or another, and we're going to get a new threat now in, in X-Men Forever. Also, X-Men Forever, I really love the initial Fabian Nicieza event that happened back in the early aughts where it was Gene, Iceman, Mystique, Juggernaut, and Toad traveling through different eras. I love that miniseries so much. And then obviously we got the Chris Claremont X-Men Forever, which was his continuation of his X-Men had he not left during the Jim Lee era in the early 90s. So, you know, the fact that they revitalized this name, I'm like, uh, I get it. They, they've done this with Fallen Angel. They've done this with Inferno. I just wish they would pivot away from recycling these, these titles. I will say, though, Immortal X-Men, X-Men Forever, it's fine. It, I, I can see where that is kind of a continuation of that. So... It's fine. But also, why not just make this the final chapter of Immortal X-Men, right? It, as comic book fans, we know that they like to end a series and relaunch it back to number one so they can get that sales bump. And, you know, 
There was a time in my fandom where I would have said I don't really care if they relaunch Uncanny X-Men for like the fifth time. Who cares if, if Marvel thinks they're getting a significant sales bump from that? Let them have the money. I want them to succeed. They know the market. But as I have aged as a comic book reader, I find it incredibly frustrating, especially when you're on the Marvel Unlimited app and you're trying to find a specific issue. And because they stop and relaunch, stop and relaunch so many of the same titles so fast and so quickly, I'm like, did that happen in volume three or volume four? Like you can't really find it. And I have to tell you, I would just be happy if they just had Uncanny X-Men one through 900. I, I, it, if you got a significant sales bump from these relaunches, I think you would stick with the series a little bit longer than you actually do. And so Immortal X-Men, the fact that they're going to end it and now it's going to come back as X-Men forever, essentially. I'm just like, oh, man. And, you know, I was a big fan, too, during House of X and Powers of Ten when they were talking about how they were going to be doing the series going forward. I was a big fan of how they were talking about how they were going to do these stories that would be up to, like, 10 to 12 issues. And then if we can bring the story back, if it did well with readers, we'll continue it. I thought that was a really brilliant marketing strategy, to be completely honest with you, especially from a publishing perspective. But it's getting frustrating now because there's so many different titles swarming. And again, a lot of them are similar, like X-Men Forever. So, you know, I wish this would just be a continuation of Immortal X-Men. It's a little note there, I know. But we're being very picky tonight. This is what happens when you record on a Saturday night after having like three Cherry Cokes. <laughs> cherry Pepsis, sorry. Okay. Haunted House of X. Thank God this copywriter is so patronizing. How can you kill a digital god? I think it's a great question. What do you do when the phoenix is bleeding out into nothing? What do you do when the phoenix is bleeding out into nothing? So the phoenix is going to, what I'm assuming here, phoenix is going to rebond with Jean Grey. Are Nimrod and Orcus summoning a celestial because of the phoenix? And the celestial is going to wound the phoenix? That will be interesting. But... How, the phoenix is bleeding out into nothing, but the phoenix... Okay, so that explains the cover, because the phoenix is bleeding. And I guess the phoenix is tied to Jean, you know, following the Jean Grey series. But the phoenix is fire and cosmic energy. Does it bleed? I mean, I associate blood with, like, being mortal. It's, oh, gosh. I mean, it's fine. It's... Who knows? Who knows? There, there's there been questions that have haunted you since the end of Immortal X-Men. Well, no, it hasn't been haunting me since the end of Immortal X-Men because Immortal X-Men has not ended yet for me. <laughs> so my future self will probably have questions, but there's been questions that have haunted you since the end of Immortal X-Men. Again, Immortal X-Men's not over, so no, I'm not, I'm not being haunted. Finally, some answers. Well, good, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm going to get answers then. There's also been some questions that have haunted you since the start of Immortal X-Men. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Immortal X-Men is one of the better X-Books. It's definitely the best X-Book out right now. Finally, some answers too, but not the ones you're expecting. X-Men Forever is Luca and myself doing a coda to Immortal X-Men, a requiem for the Krakoan Age, and generally setting fire to all time and space and generally setting fire to all time and space. Okay, well, they're going to be dealing with whatever Nimrod and Moira does, and then we have the Phoenix. So, you know, great. Gillen explained, 
It's the manipulative hand in the steel glove that is Rise of the Powers of Ten. Okay. It's the manipulative hand in the steel glove that is Rise of the Powers of Ten. Okay. I, I don't, I've never heard that expression before, but I, I can surmise what, what it says. By the time it drops, you'll be wondering what on earth is going on with certain characters, and X-Men Forever will give you all the answers. Okay. And so I, I'm assuming Jean is one of those characters we're wondering what is going on with her. Oh, this is a really nice image. It's it's beautiful. You know, I was going to say something. I don't know if I should say it. I don't want to be shady here. Okay, I'm going to be a little shady because, you know, we're, we're still a small enough platform that we, we don't get in trouble for saying stuff. Okay, with Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks was at New York Comic Con last year. So not this year, that just happened the year before. And... That New York Comic Con, we were sort of, for the first time, really going around and talking to creators. And I was so excited when I saw Mark Brooks at a corner table. I believe he had a corner table. And there was a huge line for him. I was like, oh, I just can't wait in line. This is before I realized that you can just flag their handlers and say, like, hey, I'm press. I wanted to see if I can snag a couple words with Mark Brooks. In this case, we did it um, with Art Adams. And, you know, I worked at Wizard, and I don't know if maybe I just felt a little bit more empowered because I worked at Wizard in 2006 and New York Comic Con was smaller. So I would just, of course, go up to the talent or the talent's handler. And, you know, I have a history as a journalist, so that's not an unusual lesson for me. But it is weird when it's your podcast and you're like, oh, I'm going to tell these people, hey, I have an X-Men podcast, which is essentially a fan podcast. Can I snag some interview content with with this talent so that that's a long-winded way of saying of giving you context of i did not want to go up to mark brooks's handler and just be like hey you know i have a podcast can i snag some content with him i was like no i'm not gonna do that and and he had a long line so i i did some interviews and then i was walking to go grab lunch and i noticed that mark brooks was still at his table talking to one person and there was no line i was like oh this is great. I'll, I'll just sit, you know, I'll just stand behind this, this person and wait till he's done. The person who he was talking to, I guess, was his handler. She turned around, gave me the nastiest look, and just kind of shifted her body like that to shield him. I now understand what this is. You have to understand, in the moment, I didn't understand it. But yes, the handler was sort of blocking anyone from coming to talk to him because he needed to work on his art and his commissions or whatever he was doing. But I didn't really register that for a split second. It, I just was like, oh, okay, wow, that was kind of weird. That's kind of like a nasty look <laughs> that I just got. And then I kind of like got, I was like, oh, this is his like agent, his assistant, his handler, whatever. And he needs to complete whatever commissions he's doing. They just looked like they were having a conversation and she was a fan. But I remember thinking, man, why don't you just turn around and be like, hey, by the way, Mark is just busy right now. His signings will continue at like three-ish. Why did you have to give such a nasty face? You know what I mean? And it's left a bad taste in my mouth now when I look at Mark Brooks stuff. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure people have gone up to him and he's really great. And again, he just looked not at me in the moment. He had no reaction. But I was just like, ah, that person was really mean to me. <laughs> like, so, you know, that's, that's all I will say on that. That's all I'm going to say to that. So when I see Mark Brooks, 
image. I, I always kind of remember that, and it makes me kind of sad. Mm, I'm sure I will reach out to Mark Brooks in a couple of months and be like, do you want to be on the podcast? And be like, no, you said something kind of shady about my handler at New York Comic Con. It will not be on your podcast. And I'll be like, oh, well, fair enough. So we're done there. So um, X-Men Forever, number one of four. Oh, on sale on March 20th. So one, two, three, four. <laughs> like, wait a minute. March, April, May, June. So this fall of X era is presumably going to continue into the beginning of summer. Okay. Okay. There we go. Check out Mark Brooks' Haunting X-Men Forever number one cover now and stay tuned for more news about the final chapters of the X-Men's Krakoa Age in the weeks ahead. Okay. Well, I'm I'm here for it. I, I, I think X-Men Forever sounds really great. It sounds like it's going to be the spiritual successor to Immortal X-Men. Listen, it looks like it's going to focus on our God Queen, and we were told that Jean was going to be a major player in this final home stretch of the Krakoan Age. So if Jean is front and center, I think that's really great. One of the things about Jean in the Krakoan Age, I just haven't, I haven't really been vibing with her. She has felt very off to me and i can see why so many gene fans are gravitating towards louise simonson series because we're finally getting a very warm and caring gene hickman and we talked about this when i was doing generations of x with flinkman one of our worries about hickman is that although hickman can write really great story arcs that are epic his characters can be a little stiff and emotionless. That's why when he's paired with Teeny Howard, I think the two of them can deliver a fantastic story. And I think Hickman can write characters who are supposed to be in story smart, like Xavier, like Emma. I think he can write them very well, but with characters that are supposed to have a lot of heart to them, like Jean, I think she's come across a little cold and, and sort of stiff in the Krakoan age. So I am happy that she is getting a lot of focus and hopefully we're going to get a lot of good Jean stories here. But again, is Jean, are we being teased that Jean could die again? Please, no more Jean Grey dying stories. That is it. We are done with Jean Grey dying stories. Stop. Don't even tease it anymore. But anyways, so Familia, how do you feel about X-Men Forever? Are you excited to see our God Queen front and center? It's a beautiful cover. It really, truly is a beautiful cover. It's very striking. Again, I wish this would have been the cover for Jean Grey issue one, but I'm happy to see it here for X-Men Forever. I think there is a really good dichotomy between the title X-Men Forever and Jean Grey laying in the snow, dying with the phoenix bleeding around her. That I could... I, I, I like that. It, it does feel particularly epic. And of course, we're going to read issue one. And six months from now, we are going to react to it on the podcast, on this YouTube channel. And we will have a fun time discussing it. But in the meantime, throw your feels, how you feel about this announcement in the comments below.